1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to
2: Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And since it is August of 2012... I think we can say that the presidential election season though it may be in November taking place mm-hmm. is in full swing. Oh yeah. Attack ads, Oof. fact checking, yep. Campaigns, baby kissing, buttons, buttons. political buttons. Um and one a big theme of this election cycle has been the female vote. For a while there it seemed like everywhere you turned it was it was just vagina vagina vagina.
4: I know. People there were all these arguments about what birth control meant, how we should be giving people birth control, whether we should be giving people birth control, women's
3: bodies, who has control over them, etc. And who will provide the most of these uh these platforms that are typically associated with Women and our causes that we like to support, um, everyone it seems like is pandering for the female vote. So the question we wanted to answer is whether or not women really do vote all that differently from men. Because I remember, uh, a few months ago I posted something on our Facebook page about how politicians were courting the female vote. I believe it was specifically how the Democratic Party was targeting the female vote. And there were a lot of commenters who took offense at women being seen as this, you know, monolithic voting block. Right. If you have a vagina, you will vote such and so. Yeah. Uh, because obviously it's not it's not entirely true, or else a politician political strategy would be way easier.
4: Right, exactly. Well, you know, women as a whole, I mean, if we are talking in terms of blocks, mm-hmm. women did not really vote in huge numbers until kind of recently in our history.
3: Yeah, and the things really started to ramp up in the sixties, seventies and eighties, which coincides with the influx of women into the workplace, um, and also the rise of second wave feminism, which we tend to give hat tips to. Um, and it was around this time that, that, yeah, we really started to get more politically active, even though we had had the right to vote in the United States since 1920 with the 19th Amendment. So in 1980, we have Republican candidate, Ronald Reagan, old Reagan coming in with a lot of uh, a lot of good messages, you know, about about family values and such. But he was also emphasizing during his campaign uh, staunch opposition to the Equal Rights Amendment, which was something that um, feminists especially wanted to get passed. It would be a constitutional amendment um, basically saying that men and women have to be paid the the same for the same work. Um, and he was also uh, vocally opposed to reproductive rights. And he also had an aggressive policy of military containment, of communism. Uh, so he's kind of uh, pretty hawkish, which is something that tends to drive female voters away as well. And so the combination of all of these platforms uh, – had a strange or at least a novel, I should say, not strange, had um, a novel impact at the polls where for the very first time, more women voted Democrat than men. Right.
4: Yeah, there was that gender gap that emerged. And according to the Pew Research Center in the 2008 election, that featured a seven point gender gap in men's and women's support for the Democratic candidate. And that has been steady since 1980. Now,
3: even though I just mentioned the Equal Rights Amendment and reproductive rights as uh, perhaps reasons why there was this male-female split in that 1980 election, according to um, a blog post from Real Clear Politics that was looking at this issue, um, in that 1980 election among white women specifically, only 6% said the ERA and abortion were issues that actually mattered to them. So we have all of these these pink, in quote, issues and mm-hmm. platforms that we would assume would get all these women out to the polls. It might not actually make that huge of a difference among all of these um, voting groups within the under the umbrella of women voters. So as political scientists for this podcast, <laughs> let us continue to scratch our heads as to what has shaped this this difference between um, men and women voting.
4: Yeah, because obviously it's like Kristen said, it's not just gender. There has to be more that is affecting decisions because some types of women go for some policies and platforms that are radically different mm-hmm. from what other women support. And so obviously, I mean, isn't that, we, we have opinions. We I have opinions. Do just, we? Do we have
3: opinions? Did you know that men like different things too? Really? <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, that's a
4: whole well. other podcast. <laughs> okay, so to start off, there there are differences between men and women. And no, I'm not about to go into any sort of kindergarten discussion about <laughs> the differences between men and women. There's this 1998 study that talks about the theories of why men and women uh, vote differently. And they talk about the differences in the political socialization of men and women, uh, the link between women voters growing autonomy, changing marital patterns, rising divorce rates, the rising levels of feminist consciousness among women since the 60s, and... Women's increasing participation in the labor force. And so they looked at all these different things. They ran some, some scientific tests and studies and beakers were involved, I'm sure. And they found that really the workplace participation was the driving factor behind these voting differences.
3: Yeah, it was all about, um, economic Independence and how that was shaping the way women perceived the role of government. Because with that, you can attach to it um, perhaps uh, pay in the workplace, pay equity in the workplace, um, s- welfare, supporting children if they are single mothers. And to boil it down to three major things, and this is coming from Susan Carroll, who is out of uh, Rutgers University at their Center for Women in Politics, she she sums it up nicely, saying, "Well, here's the deal: women are more likely to be poor, old, because we outlive men, and single, and especially single mothers. And um, with the steady increase in proportion of women into the workplace, we're thinking about all those factors even more as we become the, become these e- economic autonomous." beings.
4: Right. And so this this 1998 study that I was talking about it's in the American Journal of Sociology if you are curious. Um so all of a sudden women are being exposed to these gender inequalities at work and they're a little bit more economically independent. They're getting out of the house. They're developing they're developing thoughts, so to speak.
3: Mhm. And not to say that uh <laughs> if you uh, Vote more conservatively that you aren't developing? That. No,
4: no, absolutely not. i was I was being silly. um no, it's it's absolutely that just as more women enter the workplace, there sort of becomes this different perspective that develops.
3: yeah. And then from a more philosophical standpoint, research from the nonpartisan Pew Research Center have found that women tend to favor a more active and altruistic, role of government, whereas men prefer to see the, the government as promoting individualism, Mm -hmm. not being quite as heavy handed. And this actually reflects the kinds of uh, platforms that women would espouse way back when we first got the vote during the, uh, an era of progressive maternalist platforms that sought to uh, help out the poor, the children, and the elderly.
4: Yeah. we um, Basically, we think that there should be more help for, for women, families, men, everybody in the public sector. And that is because we tend to depend more as women on the public sector for the social programs, for mm-hmm. employment, for things like that. And so we do say a higher percentage of women say that the government should do more for the poor, the children, and the elderly.
3: Yeah, and this also ties back to family, which we've already touched on a little bit. Um, and the thing is, this was something coming out of a 2010 BBC article. Uh, it's less so much about staying home with the kids these days, but about finding that work Life balance, Um, and they were talking to Rosie Campbell at University of London, and she offered the example of if I'm going to be out in the workplace, then I need the state to intervene more to provide things like childcare, which again goes back to maternalist platforms, which goes back to that altruistic um, framework of government. And we're not saying again; we we are talking. Women is a giant umbrella right now. We will start to narrow this down and whittle this down a little bit more. But as far as
0: large trends go, mm-hmm. that is one of the big things. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Please.
4: One of the major trends that you knew we were going to get around to was whether a woman is married or single. And uh, in 2011, 62 percent of single women voters leaned Democratic. Just 31 percent leaned toward the GOP. Among married women voters, however, it was more evenly split. Forty five percent to the right and 48 percent to the left. And actually, according to the New York Times, I did not realize this, uh, single women are one of the country's fastest growing demographic groups, more than 1.8 million more now than just two years ago. So I, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, we as single women make up a quarter of the voting age population nationally that's not necessarily people who are registered to vote that's just voting age population and these these single gals lean democratic but tend to be fickle about actually going and casting ballots
3: yeah a lot of times we um we will label ourselves as independent voters or swing voters we'll wait till the last minute to decide who we like although i mean waiting waiting a while to decide who you like that's not it's not bad. We're just making up our minds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> but of course, marriage is not, uh, marital status is not the only big variable here. Race is a huge one. Um, we've talked a lot about how uh, capital W women swing Democratic, or at least they have since nineteen eighty. Uh, but if you look at it on a race, racial, along racial lines, Democrats have not actually won uh, white women since 1964, which was reported by the Washington Post. Um, non-white women are far more likely to to vote Democratic.
4: So in this New York Times article from 2008, looking back at the 2004 election, the non-white female vote was 12%. So 12% of that female vote was made up of non-white women, if I can say that and not sound confusing. Um, the non-white male vote was just 10%. So they break it down as women are, as a voting block, less white than men were. That's in quotes. And non-white women are more likely to vote Democratic than white women or non-white men. Are you with me?
3: So we have a more racially, female, w- women have a more racially diverse uh, voting pool.
4: Yes. And in fact, Clinton's re-election in 1996 marks the only year that Democrats have won a plurality of the white female vote since 1980.
3: Mm -hmm. And in fact, white women are the largest block of social conservatives. So there you
4: go. We're a very diverse group, women. We are.
3: (laughs) We are entirely unpredictable, it seems like, as uh, this podcast goes forward. Um, But one thing that you can rely on women to do a little bit more than men come election day in November. Mm -hmm. That's vote. We get out to the polls. (laughs) Uh, According to the Center for American Women in Politics at Rutgers University, for each presidential election from 1980, I mean, that is a watershed year for us, 1980 to 2008, our most recent presidential election, more women have cast ballots. We're getting out. We're rocking our vote. We are. We are. And citizens 18 to
4: 44, higher proportion of women than men. In that age group, voted in 1996, 2000, and 2004. However, the trend is different if you're 65 and up. The pattern is completely reversed. More older men, I guess. More
3: senior citizen men. Yeah, and way more women are registered to vote, period. Now, I thought this was interesting, though, that uh, more women are voting because, and this is according to Linda Hirschman in New York Times Magazine, men consider it more important to, quote, influence the political structure by voting. They have that more... Uh, vested interest in a way of casting their ballot. And yet we are doing it uh, in higher numbers than they are. But again, you know, we do we do waffle a little bit more. We tend to be more um, independent and wait till the last minute. We're late deciders. We are late deciders. Um, we do,
4: as women, make up a higher number of undecided and swing voters, like Kristen said earlier. And the reasons for this, they, they kind of, are, there are theories, they're all over the map. Are we less informed about politics? Are we less invested than men are? Are we more practical, less emotional? So there are a lot of theories as to why more of the undecided voters are female. Uh, a look at Undecided voters, uh, in July 30th blog on the New York Times website, truly undecided voters tend to be, in general, less knowledgeable about politics, but that's not always true.
3: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, one of the things that they have cited in terms of gender differences in voting, and um, one of the reasons why women might be more undecided than men, is that men do tend to take a greater interest in hard news, i.e., like more of the political news, and might keep tabs on it a little bit better than we do, to which I say, come on, ladies. <laughs> Read the
4: newspaper or whatever digital thing you have in front of you.
3: Um, but right now, since we have mentioned the current election season, according to the Pew Research Center, President Obama has been doing pretty well among women, although of course I take all of the, the polls that come out every other week with a massive grain of salt just because, uh, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't trust a lot of the, the yeah, election things, polls. Things seem
4: to change. Things seem to kind of roll in waves as you get closer to the election.
3: Right. And right now it does seem like a majority of Female voters are leaning Democratic right now. You know what? When we go back and re-listen to this episode in December, we might say, well, that could be wrong. Or we could say, yeah, that was right.
2: Who knows? Because we're so undecided, <laughs> so many of us. This episode is brought to you by Job.
4: A survey, this was in that New York Times blog that I mentioned, a survey found that only 30 percent of undecided voters are truly independent. So just because you're undecided doesn't mean you're necessarily an independent voter. They found that 40 percent, 40 percent of undecided voters lean left and about 20 percent Lean right, so you might still have a political leaning. You're just feeling kind of not so hot about either candidate, maybe. But one of the
3: things um, that I feel like it's important to hammer home with all of this, because so far the moral of the story is, you know, do men and women vote differently? Yes, a little bit. But do women d- vote differently among themselves? Yes, a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to that large block of undecideds and independents, because right now independents are at an all-time high, both male and female, if a candidate is looking to get those swing voters, let's say, you can't just toss out being thumbs up or thumbs down on pink. Issues And yeah, I'm using pink just as the all, you know, kind of nausea inducing uh, stereotypical term for things that the ladies like, mm-hmm. like uh, birth control and such. Um, you can't just toss out these platforms and expect for uh, women to go gaga if you just say one or two things about reproductive rights and call it a day.
4: Yeah, the uh, according to Pew, the male female divide on reproductive rights is pretty small.
3: Yeah, it's about, I mean, men and women, an equal proportion, uh, oppose and agree with it.
4: Yeah, it has more to do with your background, your religion, your political leanings, all this stuff than it does with your gender. So just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're going to be all like, yay. Abortion, yay birth control, yay condoms, or, you know, you're, you're going to not fall along gender lines for those issues.
3: And for all of the discussion that has gone into birth control access with the healthcare reform, Interestingly, and actually not so surprisingly, um, according to a Gallup poll, that issue of birth control and the religious exemption to employers having to provide birth control, etc., is not at the top of anybody's list in terms of what they're looking for in a candidate. Because you know what? When you're in an economic recession, guess what matters more? Jobs, yeah. gas prices, Health care in general.
4: Yeah, the deficit, money, things like having a house and stuff like that. The survival of the American government. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that doesn't tend to sway women either, and we we saw this in the last election, is women aren't going to automatically vote for a female candidate. Nope. Nope. We actually uh, a 2008 Northwestern study found that women might actually hold female political candidates to a higher standard and instead end up opting for the male opponent.
3: Yeah, the, um, they they had this Northwestern study had participants uh, basically free associate uh, candidate qualities um, based on like a picture of an attractive fictional male attractive lady and the the women in the study said that they would be more likely to vote for an approachable seeming male candidate than an attractive female candidate. But then we could go on and on about how, you know, the inferences that we make in terms of leadership and what leadership looks like.
4: Yeah, because they said that all of the people in the study would go for the person who seems more competent. Mm -hmm. But what makes you think that someone's more competent? Right. An approachable guy that you would want to have a beer with or an attractive woman or vice versa?
3: Well, and unfortunately, with the state of politics the way it is, a lot of that appearance, you Mm -hmm. know, snap judgment... I feel like I, you know, does it matter if you could have a beer with a him God or help her? you
4: if you pick the wrong tie color for your speech. Yeah, it's
3: true, but um, you know, it's it's telling that we that we base so much just off how somebody looks. Uh so, do men and women vote differently? Yes, do women vote differently among themselves? Yes, will women vote for women? Maybe. I think that in what this is one of those these situations where We have not so much clarified the question as confounded it even more.
4: Well, I think it would be interesting to hear from our female listeners who maybe have gotten guff from other women for the way they vote. Yeah. Whether they lean left or right, if you maybe have been made to feel like you're making the wrong decision because you should stand with your fellow women on some issue. Right
3: yeah, and I think um even though I mean, I think it's a good thing that there isn't a clear answer of women vote this way because that is one of the most frustrating things I think for women who are informed and who are politically active that there is an assumption that we are a giant voting block where that's really not the case at yeah. all. America is huge,
4: yeah, we all. We vote according to what is important to us. And based on your religion, your background, your family, anything like that, what, how you feel about education, whatever, you're, you're going to vote according to what you believe is right and what will help you. Mm-hmm. So and that's different for everybody. Not what kind of
3: underpants you're wearing. Really? Really.
4: Oh, well, okay.
3: I'll cross that off my list. Although I do not have empirical data to back that up. <laughs> So send us your thoughts on gender and voting. MomStuff at Discovery.com is where you can send your letters or you can head over to Facebook and leave us a comment there. In the meantime, we got a couple of letters. The first one is in response to our podcast a little while ago about the Roma, also known as Gypsies. I'm just going to share a few tidbits from Malia who sent us a detailed letter um, about stuff that she knows about the, the Roma and the Romani the Roma Romani uh, she says I have a few notes to add to your information first of all the word Roma or Romani does not refer to Romania Rom is the word for a man in Romani and the naming of the Roma or Romani people predates the naming of the country of Romania in fact many Romanians are outraged that others would confuse them with the Roma people. Second, while perceived discrimination may be lowest among Roma in Romania, saying that Romania has the best record regarding gypsies is misleading as the EU MIDS report cautions segregation is higher in Romania and Roma people may be less aware of their majority counterparts opinion Isabel Fonseca also wrote about violence against Roma in Romania following the fall of communism and the direct or indirect complicity of law enforcement officials while certain countries and sectors have made progress discrimination against Roma throughout Europe remains entrenched also and I thought this was a This was a good point to share. Third, the great majority of Roma are not nomadic. Through a combination of pressures from the state, modernization in general, and personal choice, most Roma have settled. So, thanks so much to Malia for sharing all of that information with us. Here's one from Rachel about Manic Pixie
4: Dream Girls. Uh, she said, The trope of the MPDG reminded me of one of my favorite books. The book is Paper Towns by John Green, and it surrounds a lackluster guy nicknamed Q and his infatuation with his neighbor, Margot. In the book, Margot takes him on a wonderfully illegal nighttime adventure to seek revenge on an ex boyfriend of hers and then disappears without a trace. Q then spends the rest of the book searching for her and ultimately discovering himself before. You guessed it. She flutters away in a sprinkle of pixie dust. I I really hope that's literal. Uh, I know you only mentioned cinema and television, but I thought it was interesting that the MPDG exists in literature as well. So it's called Paper Town? Paper Towns by John Green. Maybe something else to check out for
3: very late summer reading. Yeah. So that's all we've got for you. Mom stuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can also head over to Facebook, like us, leave us a message. Be nice. Follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And you can also read the article, Do Men and Women Vote Differently? by yours truly, Kristen Conger, over at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year